0: Want five-star service from a financial institution you can trust? Whitney Bank has you covered, with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South and products for businesses of all sizes. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC.
1: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com Additional support comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette by short Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.
2: From Café Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We often hear people lamenting, mostly politicians, that manufacturing in America has hit an all-time low. The catch cry you hear frequently repeated is, we don't make anything here anymore. Here in Acadiana, we know that's not true. We make pretty much everything. Today, I want to introduce you to a couple of people who make things. Alison Boldy Hart and Peter Dehart Hart at their company MakeMade. The wide range of stuff they make includes websites, photographs, movies, children's toys. The company is five years old, but Alison and Peter have been working together every day for 10 years, and they're still married. Peter and Alison, congratulations, and welcome to Out to Lunch. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Normally, you expect a company to be a film production company or a toy manufacturing company or a website-developed company or a graphic design <laughs> company. Does MakeMade make all of these various products because Lafayette is a small enough market and there's not enough business to allow you to specialize in any one of these? Or do you both just have a lot of skills and like to use them all?
0: I think it's more of, more of the second. I, think, I know ever since I was a young kid, I've, I'm just interested in kind of all creativity and I've never really seen seen creativity as something like you put in a box and I'm only this type of designer I think there's like certain rules as designers and artists composition color all those things that can translate over many different formats Uh, and I think that in meeting in meeting Allison 10 years ago I feel like I found somebody else who who, uh, like aligned our vision aligned that way and so I never really saw us as a filmmaker and I guess once I had met you I knew I knew you did film and you were a photographer but then I you're sketching and we started doing gra- more graphic design and then we we're playing music so it's like
3: yeah to me is like we think of it more of like a creative problem so there's a creative problem that needs to be solved and what are the tools that we can develop over time in our toolbox to use and apply to any project so you know like if you are um, someone needs to be more visible in the community, and they feel like websites is the best solution to it. Then, okay, we'll learn how to do a website. But also, maybe you need photos on that website, and um, you also maybe need to do like a large-scale um, graphic design installation, and that's a good problem solver. So, just like, what are the what are the, the the tools you develop over time that help you, you know, help you and other people get the word out about their mission? I guess.
0: And I think we've said time and time again that we realize that with Allison studying film in college, and I studied industrial design in college, both of them are actually kind of similar in a lot of ways. And then there's a, especially documentary filmmaking because there's a lot of research. And then, there's a, then then there's a lot that goes into production. And I think industrial design is heavily weighed on research and figuring out who you're designing for and why you're designing a certain way. And then, of course, moving into the design phase and producing it and trying to get it out there. And then I think documentaries are the same way. So I feel like we kind of learn two creative trades that overlap a lot. A lot of people would see them as very different, but I don't see them as, yeah. as that different. And a
3: lot of people are um, like are, are true artists in the sense that they're really not interested in the business side of anything. And like I, When I think of a true artist, I think of that... Um, and I don't want to say we're not true artists, but we're very interested in the business side of things as far as, like, how can you be efficient in your workday? And how can you, um, you know, help get a client what they need on time with a deadline? And like, we, we like to please people as well as make things. So the two together for us, I think, is more exciting, um, like, still, di- still dealing with clients and then making work for ourselves. I think if we just made work for clients and not for ourselves, it would be less thrilling But because we do both, um, there's still a connection to the community
2: and a connection to the um, making of things. How do your creative processes, how are they the same and how are they different?
0: It seems like every project is just different. I don't, you know, I mean it could be obviously being creative or being an artist or designer, you get inspired by something and that might change your process a little bit on a particular project. I, I feel we don't really have a set... I feel like machine that like you come to us and like we're gonna run you through this machine or you know and not just not just necessarily the client but even just us like I don't have to I, f- I don't feel like I go to like some special place to do all of my brainstorming you know so I think it kind of happens differently every every time and that's probably just looking for different ways to try to figure out something different you know so yeah I don't I yeah I'd trying to think. I wouldn't say I would say
3: we do a lot of like organizing to have moments of freedom. Like we do a lot of pre-planning, a lot of like um, setting things in order, putting structure on ourselves to be able to like sit and think and be creative without the
2: like crushing fear of failure. (laughs) Yes. So most people would shy away (laughs) from working with their spouse. What's the secret? We never really think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, you don't, I don't know. We have a lot
3: of people that say, like, oh, God, I can never do that. And um, it's just, I feel like if we, because we're so work-obsessed, we would never see each other if we didn't work together. Um, and and a lot of, like, the conversations about work are, like, as we're falling asleep at night, it's like, oh, have you thought about this idea? Or You know, and so it's not really during certain hours. It's more just, like, a um, always always progressing and thinking
0: right all the time. I, yeah i would agree and i mean i would think and you would know this firsthand as well it's like i think when you when you are a person in this field you can't you can't shut it you can't shut it off you can try to shut it off but i don't think you can shut it off and i think that there's a lot of jobs out there and there's a lot of people who are you know they're just itching to get to that five o'clock and they can clock out and they just they don't have to take anything home with them and they don't they don't really care, and that's and that's and that's of course fine. They might care about their job when they're added, but uh, but it, I mean, ideas come at eleven o'clock at night when you're binge watching shows on TV. They come early in the morning. They come at lunches. You know, it's like they come during quote unquote office hours. They come while you're on vacation. You just I don't think I mean most of the I feel like most of the bigger ideas we've had or worked on haven't come during office hours you
2: know yeah so you're always working on a vast range of projects and you know I follow you on social media and we we have little hints of what you're doing what's the most exciting thing you're working on at the moment I would say the most exciting thing that we're working
3: on is um, a documentary about the artist Robert Wiggs um, who was when we came to him he was a sculptor um, of the age of 92 and we had seen his retrospective at the Katie Center for the Arts um, and were really drawn to his work and didn't quite understand the world of it. But we were intrigued um, and we met um, in a casual conversation at the Southern Screen Film Festival. We met Lisa Osborne, who's also a, a sculptor. And um, you have a lot of times people come up to you and say, oh, you should do a documentary on this. And, um, and it's always yeah.
0: something that shouldn't not always not always but most but most of the time it's like my you know like I always say it's like my you need to do a documentary on my cousin who kills rats for a living (laughs) he's like he has some interesting stories and he has interesting stories I'm sure yeah but it's like I don't know I don't know if I can invest that that time right now but this was like one of the first projects or somebody
3: and she was like you should do a um a documentary on Robert and Betty Wiggs and we were like yes do you know them could you connect us and so she connected us and um, helped us kind of get started on it and then we spent two days with him and Betty at their home um, and this was
0: three three years ago, three years ago.
3: at the time um, and then soon after um, things kind of changed in their lives and um, she passed away and um, we went back and filmed again with him, and then um, then he got moved into a nursing home. So, and then eventually he passed away. And um, so, we once all that happened, we kind of had to like sit and regroup and figure out, um, understand his work more, and the world and his thought process, and and then kind of reimagine how we would tell the story now that we have all that knowledge and that understanding of his work and... and um.
0: We were thrown into it rather quickly. Yeah. Just, I don't think we knew what we were, uh, we knew what we were doing, but we didn't know what we'd get out of it when we first started. Because I think when we, we went there just to spend it two days maybe in our heads, we were thinking we might just make a 10 minute video about a day with this interesting uh, aging sculptor who continues to work day in and day out. And uh, and then I think it just, you know, like Allison said, it just evolved from there. And so now it's become, now I feel like I understand it. I still don't fully understand it because it's kind of high concept art. But, and it overlaps into science. He's made a scientific discovery through his art just because of basically viewing the world slightly differently in drawing. And he's made, like I said, he's made one scientific discovery and he should be in the company of some other great scientists, but he's kind of unknown about, which is kind of which is kind of sad. But, but the problem is, is he was an artist. He wasn't a scientist, and so his, he didn't have the right colleagues to help publish his work. He wasn't being recognized by... He was still at, at some point it was like being recognized by the science community, but most of the time he, he was still just a man with an art degree as an artist. So.
2: So it's hard to know with you guys what to talk about next because you do so <laughs> many things, but I kind of have a crush on your toys. <laughs> um, tell me about them. How did they come about? How did their names come about? And describe them to our audience. Well, when I first met
3: Peter, um, I knew that he did product design, and he then, as I got to know him, he was like, what I really want to do with my life is make toys. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then he revealed, like, I have, you know, 500 action figures Plus five hundred plus action figures. And you still Probably married black. him? <laughs> Probably plus,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, we
3: need to build a room for these action <laughs> figures. Um, yeah. So
0: James Van and I are gonna open a museum. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and and he um he has a like interesting way of looking at the world in the sense that it's like like the other day we were at a restaurant and he had picked up the cup and was looking at the bottom of it to see what type of plastic it was made from just to, to like see what it was made of and the waitress came up and was like is there something wrong with your water he's like no i'm just looking at my glass and seeing you know the manufacturing type of plastic it is um so and then he's always really interested in how things you know fit together and what's the mechanism that turns it and um so you've from my understanding you've always wanted to make toys and um but the idea of making toys on a large ma- mass manufacturing scale is kind of depressing when you think about the idea of like adding to the world of stuff that already exists. So um, we are starting small with you know, small batches and small um, toys for the idea of, of getting a little more um, complicated with the mechanisms and, um, and
0: treating them a little bit more like fine art there's only like certain batches that are made you think of it like making prints so hopefully that they are they're more special and they're not completely mass-produced to where like Allison said they just end up in everywhere and then end up nowhere you know?
3: add to the throwaway culture of um, of all of it but so we have right now we have two toys um, Simon the elephant and Bertwin the bear you know I'm going <laughs> to ask where their names came from. <laughs> um, so
0: Simon, when Alison was working for the university, she was working for Cinema Cin- Arts at the time. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And Charles Richard, who was my boss. Yeah, your boss. He had a he had a little boy named Simon who was just this, yeah, you know, curious, curious little boy, amazing, <laughs> hyper intelligent. Yeah.
3: Just uh, inspiring, like uh, with the way <laughs> he looked at the world. Mm-hmm.
0: So it was in. He probably inspired us. It was in honor, I guess, of him. Yeah, <laughs> and know. he's 13 now. Yeah, he's 13 <laughs> now. So, uh, and then Birchman—that's uh, just—it's my middle name. Yeah. So it's my grandfather's name. So.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett, sitting in for Peter Rischuti. I'm talking with Alison Boldy Hart and Peter DeHart from a creative manufacturing company called MakeMade. Peter, what toys next?
0: There's a gator that we're hoping to get out this year. Um, the gator's name is Chloe. I'm trying to think where that name came from. I think we just ended up, I think we ended up just liking Yeah, liking we We name. did
3: a lot of brainstorming on it, and um, we knew we wanted to add a female to the mix. <laughs> um, and we, maybe we'll meet a Chloe one day. Maybe. And yeah, we will play um, that.
0: <laughs> it just seemed like such a great... French name yeah. for a alligator. Yeah, a more distinguished and alligator. And how do
2: you test your toys? Do you have a group of kids that come and play with them? Do you? We um, well, we've been do we we do safety
3: testing. So um, you do like you send it off to a factory to get certified. So they do like a you know a. Um,
0: they do physical testing and they test your all your inks and all your finishes and to packaging make sure and it's stuff all like
3: that. Um, safe. Because technically, even if you're a small batch, you should be going through that process because you're still um, responsible if something happens.
0: Yeah, in 2000, I think it was 2008, the, uh, like the Safety Commission, they started making it really hard for small manufacturers to just make toys or, and make any product for any child under the age of 12. I mean, anything like if you, if you have a t-shirt company and you print on kids' shirts, and those shirts are intended for 12 and under. Like you should be testing all of your inks every year, and most people who are just printing T-shirts, you know, are not even thinking about it. And I guess they're not. I guess you—it's like an audit. You could you could get questioned by the government? You could get shut down. But so, but but since then, since 2008, there's been all these uh, groups that have kind of come together, and now they even. I guess the CPSC has a commissioner that only deals with small batch manufacturers and they're there to help kind of hold your hand and help you get through this. And then certain things they allow you, because the testing is not cheap and it's easy for these big manufacturers to just to do it because they're gonna make millions and millions, and millions of one product to, to stock shelves. But when you're uh, you know, just a craftsman in your workshop making one of a kind toys, it becomes it definitely becomes a lot harder so but since we've learned I guess all of that information and tried to navigate that and that's sort of this whole other world that I think most people would probably give up after they go to the the government website (laughs) and you have to have all these documents of all the regulations that I mean it's 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 pretty involved Uh, but I mean but it, it has to be done and I'm glad it's there because with the rise of Etsy and people just making those things I mean you could be getting stuff that's Absolutely terrible for your children, or, for, or even for just anybody. So it's good that it's in place, but it does make it a lot harder. And it kind of, for a smaller, com- you know, company for us like too, it slows the process down because you got to send it off for testing, wait for the testing results, you know, of course, make changes, get your documents in order. So.
2: So as well as art, design, filmmaking, toy making, and all the other things you do, you also are both in a remarkable number of bands. <laughs> can you can you name the bands you're currently in? <laughs> um, so
0: I need a piece of paper. No, no. <laughs> no it's really not that much. No, now. it's not. Um,
3: no. So he's been in Brass Bed for eleven years, ten yeah, years. This is the eleventh year. Yeah, um, and that's how it's kind of how we met like I used to go to their shows and um, and then maybe four years later we started Carbon Poppies and um, I had always been writing songs and like not showing anyone Um, and eventually um, those songs i turned into releasing through um, a band that I lead basically called Kind Cousin and he worked with me on that record Um, So, Carbon Poppy is Johnny Campos is also in the band, so there's Three of Us, and then Brass Bed is Johnny Campos and Christian Mater.
0: Right. Um, And then Kind Cousin is... A rotating cast
2: of collaborators, that's what I like to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, it's a question I know you're asked a lot. Lafayette, do you plan to stay or (laughs) or
0: leave? I grew up here, so I think it's a really special place. Uh, My first friend that I made when I got here was, was Johnny Campos. And so, uh, you know, and then when we- seven. Yeah, you we know, were seven, yeah. So then, and then those same friends that I made when I was seven, I still have now. Like this place, it just has, it has the best people for sure. And uh, I think, I think that's the hardest reason not to leave. I think Lafayette has so much potential of what could happen I know you know this as well I mean it's just so much stuff that could happen and it fights itself a lot of times but in the end there's so much room for change and growth here it's like we always feel like if we go to another city who's already kind of in the middle of that or in the tail end of that you're not really going to be contributing as much to hopefully shaping a city and I think that that sounds more intriguing we like a good project
3: (laughs) 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 and it feels like there's room for growth and improvement and I think if you um if we have a we have a connection to the community and and we feel like um you know if maybe we're more beneficial here in a way then we wouldn't be the same in Portland you
0: know I would say also I mean I mean, I've been saying this for years, but because we have, like, fiber internet in the home, which is, like...
3: It's majorly helpful. It is,
0: right. Like, our office is at the house, and to have that at our house that fast, and then those capabilities, it's like, where do we really need to be? You know, we can communicate, upload, I mean, do anything that we need to do, and we can travel any place to do work. So it's really... I think in this day and age, I don't think you necessarily have to be in those major cities anymore unless you want to be I don't know?
2: think Lafayette would let you guys leave anyway, <laughs> So <laughs> we, need a, r- we need a retainer and maybe yeah. <laughs> I think we could arrange that <laughs> Alison and Peter this is part of the show we call your brother-in-law you're wrapping up a long day of work and you're finally going to get a few minutes to yourself when your phone rings it's your brother-in-law usually he only calls when he's got a computer problem but this time the conversation's a little different Peter and Alison, your brother-in-law has a great idea that's going to make you all a fortune. You're already making kids' toys and films, and he's got a killer concept for a film where the main character is a kid's toy. It's kind of like Toy Story, but it's got a Cajun theme. The franchise is called Perot pete The first movie is Perot pete in Paris. It's about a kid called Pete and his buddy Beau Dan, who's a sausage. Pete and Baudin fall asleep on the bayou in Pete's Baroque and wake up in Paris. Your brother-in-law is prepared to quit his job in sales at the Wyndham Garden Hotel to make this happen, if you guys will bankroll him for a couple of months. What do you say? Do you want to get into the kids' film business? (laughs) I say, are you ready to commit four years of your life to
3: this?
0: (laughs) That's exactly what I would say, too.
3: That's usually what we say to people when they, they call um, and give the concept.
0: Yeah, anything m- most of the time related to a film. When somebody says, I want to make a film, like something feature-length, that's the first thing. It's like, are you ready for four years? Because that's what it's going to be. And I mean, it, we even said, m- when we were when we started working on this Robert Wiggs documentary, it's was like, I don't know why I thought that wouldn't apply. Like somehow <laughs> somehow for people we do films and video work for it's the four-year thing but no we can do it in less time and we filmed three years ago we're wrapping up hopefully this year and here we are yeah. four years
3: I feel like so our th- answer was too serious though <laughs> okay. she just gave us a joke and we <laughs> went really straight with it
0: <laughs> um, but I think
3: well and I guess like you as creative problems solvers, the first thing you hear is like okay I start thinking like well um, what's the best format for this idea that you have like it sounds like you um it sounds like it would have to be an animation because you're making sausage move, you know like is it some motion is it <laughs> is it um hand drawn animation like um y- you might start needing to like go on YouTube and learn about all this kind of stuff and we
0: can quickly talk people out of ideas yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> or like or um let them know how long something like that might take like a, a normal timeline of that um and then also, you talk about like funding, and and so say so you're going to quit your job. How much do you need to to uh, stay afloat? And why do you think this this idea will be the idea that sets you apart from everybody else? Um, I, s- I feel like I'm still well, answering very serious. seriously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like well, I'd have to be serious if he's about to quit his job. Yeah,
3: I feel like it's a common thing that my brothers would call and say. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't think this is... Especially a YouTube
3: series. They're always like, you guys should make your, your life into a YouTube series. Like,
2: we're... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, With all that time. What's the dream for the future?
3: Um, our our goal is not... Like, a lot of people, I guess, in business think, like, oh, well one day I'm going to have a big place and I'm going to have 10 people under me and I'm going to wake up and tell them what to do every day. And for, uh, like, a, you know, a managed position um and for us i just i don't know what's wrong with this but it just doesn't sound exciting (laughs) so um we were we're just trying to figure out how to be how to stay two people and be efficient and be able to take on a good amount of work and um and cover our bills and cover our you know future retirement and all that kind of stuff and still be able to make art Um,
0: be balanced and be healthy yeah to me, that's all you can really really, really hope to be.
2: Alison and Peter, you are great examples of Louisiana ingenuity and creativity. It's been really good to spend time with you. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Alison Ball-DeHart and Peter DeHart, co-owners of MakeMade. You can find out more about Alison and Peter's various creations by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our researcher is Anne Christian. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and krvs88.7fm. I'm Aileen Bennett, and thanks for joining me. We'll be back here at Cafe Vermilionville next week. I hope you join us then for more business Acadiana style on
1: Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Launch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from the Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escadet. Support for Out to Launch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Carlisle Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.
0: Want five-star service from a financial institution you can trust? Whitney Bank has you covered with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South and products for businesses of all sizes. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC.